works underway to create a genetically altered wasp, which would be capable of eradicating all wasps. A collaboration of researchers are looking at whether a flaw could be modified into an invasive wasp species, which would subsequently spread it through a colony. Even if they're successful, the wasp they create will never actually be let out of the fully contained lab in Dunedin. The main outcome of the $11 million project is to determine the ethics of gene-driven pest control and to consider whether such technology could protect biodiversity and do it safely. Amanda Black of Lincoln University is the co-director of Bioprotection Aotearoa and the project's director researcher. Morena, Amanda. Uh, Morena. And Peter Dearden of Otago University is the deputy director, researcher and also the director of Genomics Aotearoa, the first outfit in the world to genetically sequence a wasp. Peter, good morning. Good morning. Could each of you explain what uh, your... Organisations are Genomics Aotearoa and Bioprotection Aotearoa. Are they like a public-private partnership? Are they a private company? Are they part of a university? What? Sure. So Genomics Aotearoa and and Bioprotection Aotearoa are slightly different organisations, but both publicly funded. Uh, Genomics Aotearoa is funded uh, by the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment, and our mission is to improve the use of genetics and genomics in New Zealand, so sort of boosting our ability to use that as a technology to to support the country's aspirations. And Amanda? Yeah, so Bioprotection Aotearoa is one of the National Centres of Research Excellence, and we are funded on the different ministry. It's Tertiary Education Commission, and our mission is to train the next uh, generation of scientists and researchers, and we do that through understanding what makes landscapes and our productive ecosystems resilient. Okay, let's start, Peter. Let's start with what is uh, happening with this uh, research, this experiment. Uh, first, the wasp species, please. Why is it such an issue in New Zealand? So, New Zealand, um, before uh, humans turned up, had no uh, social wasps. Now, social wasps sounds like a, a strange word, but yeah, if you think about bees in a beehive, um, that's a, bees are a social species. So. Uh, the wasps that you and I um, you come and eat your sandwiches when you're sitting around a school, the sort of uh, thing. So we call them the common wasp and the German wasp. And then more recently, we've had some paper wasps, which are also uh, social wasps that have come into the country. So these are the, the targets of this research. These, these wasps should not be in New Zealand, and they're immensely damaging to our environment. They're, they're predators. They eat huge amounts of insect prey. They attack our native species. They... Um, cause costs for our beekeepers. They cause apparently a million dollars worth of road accidents a year. So these are a serious issue and they really shouldn't be here. So common wasp, German wasp, paper wasp, are they three different species? Yes, those are three different species. And are you working on all three species? We're, we're trying to. Um, the, one of the issues here is is where we're actually starting with a different wasp species entirely, a tiny little wasp that we can keep in the laboratory really easily. Um, which is called a jewel wasp. Uh, the well, reason spe- we're starting spell it for that, me, sorry. Oh, the, it's a jewel, J-E-W-E-L, jewel yeah, wasp. Right, now is um, that not, no, that's not currently um, at large in New Zealand? It is currently at large in New Zealand. It was released here in the 1950s as a way to control um, blowflies. Uh, but the, the wasp we're using, the, the great thing about it is it's easy to grow and it's easy to grow in containment in a laboratory. And people have been working on this wasp for some years, and so we have some of the tools and technologies we need that we don't yet have in the paper wasps and in the common and German wasps. Now, does, so the, jewel wasp, does the jewel wasp have the flaw that you're interested in? The jewel wasp has the same genetics. So 
it's it's the um, wasps um, and have very strange genetics, which makes it very difficult to implement a gene drive, or at least challenging. The problem is that um, they have a, a system of sex determining, which is called haplodiploid sex determining. This is quite complex, but effectively the females have two copies of the genome and the males come from unfertilized eggs and have one copy. Now that sounds kind of esoteric, but when you start thinking about how you would get a, a genetic flaw to spread through a system, that has a serious effect. So the work we're doing is, is really um, leading internationally, trying to understand how we might implement a gene drive in these sorts of species. And, and the local context is really important, right? These are pest species of huge importance to New Zealand. They're not necessarily a problem elsewhere. So this is a homegrown solution for, for a homegrown problem. You need to just talk us carefully through exactly what we're talking about here. Genetic modification is different from gene editing, which sounds like it may be different from, from gene altering. Uh, what process are we talking about here in layperson's terms? Sure. So the, so the plan here is in containment, so, so we're not releasing anything, is to see if we can introduce a small piece of DNA into uh, the, the genome of these wasp species. The, the, that small piece of DNA will be active in such a way, and, and what we're hoping is we can use it to reduce the production of sperm in uh, these species. Because if we can reduce the um, production of sperm, we're reducing the fertility of males, and that reduction of fertility is the flaw we want to. We is want the to process encourage. you're using genetic modification? Does the does the DNA come from another species? What's what exactly is the source of the of the DNA? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. The source of the DNA is uh, from a bacterium. Uh, there are two. Well, actually, there's, there's two little bits uh, involved here. One of which is DNA, which is sourced from the wasps themselves, which is something that will allow us to turn on this gene we're putting in there. It's epigenetics? It's not epigenetics at this point, though Though epigenetics will play a role here. But All right. that's about genes are turned on. So what I'm trying to get clear, are you taking DNA from the wasps and, re- and introducing it? I, I'm just, or the bacterium rather, what's the source of the bacteria? Is the bacterium the source of the DNA? And if so, where is the bacterium in the story? Yeah, okay. So the the crucial thing is a gene called um, Cas9. So you may have heard about Cas9. It's a gene which is involved in making an enzyme involved in gene editing. This Cas9 enzyme comes from bacteria. It's been well studied in the laboratory. And in fact, most of the time, it is made synthetically. So this synthetic piece of DNA, which historically came from a bacterium, is necessary to make the flaw that we need to drive this um this infertility in the wasps. Okay. So there's a small piece of DNA coming from bacteria, and then the the, the system which turns that gene on comes from the wasp. Itself. And this contrast with gene editing, just to help listeners, gene editing is where you would take a flaw out normally. This is introducing one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The impact were this to prove successful on uh, reproduction, and I presume this is permanent, this would be passed on through generations, the impact on reproduction would be what do you posit? Would it reduce it by 80%, 40%, 20%? What would be the impact on the species reproduction? That is the question we're trying to answer. It is incredibly hard uh, for us to predict exactly what the impact will be. 
And I think these are the, the answers, these are the questions that we need to ask if we're ever going to think about using these technologies um, outside the laboratory. The point here is, is I think you're absolutely right that if um, I'm releasing a couple of genetically modified wasps and that that suppresses the wasp population almost completely, that's a very different uh, set of risks and, and benefits than if we're releasing thousands of wasps and reducing the population by 10%. So that's exactly what we're trying to find out because of the weird genetics of these wasps and because actually this hasn't been tried in species outside sort of flies, we don't yet know what the parameters will be. And those parameters may be such that actually gene drives as a technology to control wasps are inappropriate and not sensible. But if we don't do the work in the laboratory, we will never know. So where are you at with that work and where will you go with that work? What will you be doing? Sure. So, so far, we one of the things that, that is absolutely necessary is to start understanding the genetics of these animals. And so that has involved us sequencing their genomes and then start, start sequencing the genomes of multiple individuals across New Zealand and across the world. Because we want to try and target areas of the genome that are specific to New Zealand wasps. So if these things ever get out, then, then they won't spread to other parts of the world. So no, when I say get out, if we were to release one in New Zealand, and we don't want it to going overseas. So we're trying to see if that's possible. So that's the current uh, work we're, we're doing is, is gathering that data. And the next steps are to start generating these bits of DNA that we're trying to insert in this tiny little wasp in containment as a way to start testing the, the possibility uh, that this technology will work for us. How will you conclude what the impact will be on overall populations, which is the really big question, because whenever you alter an ecosystem, of course there's a, there's a positive impact and there's potentially unintended consequences as well. When and how yes, would you work out what the likely impact would be on a broader population? So in the experiments we're doing will allow us to understand the dynamics of the system within the WASPs. I think at that point, we need to think of take that information and use it in modeling experiments and working with people um, like Amanda's group who know more about the, um, the effect on the ecosystem. We do know, I mean, we, we use um, control methods for wasps around the country at the moment. And so we do have some understanding of what happens if you remove wasps from an ecosystem. Most of it is good, um, but that has to sit alongside you know, how much removal are we achieving? What sort of infertility rates are we driving? So we hope to be able to do these experiments in containment at large enough scale to produce those numbers so that we can actually feed those into our understanding of the ecosystems that we might affect. Yeah, Mihi, thank you. Peter Dearden of Otago University uh, and uh, Director also of Genomics Aotearoa, the world first uh, they achieved in genetically sequencing the wasp. Stay with us, please. Let's bring back Amanda Black of Lincoln University co-director of Bioprotection Aotearoa, the project's director, researcher. What the, what's the role you have here, Amanda? What are the things on your checklist as this um, lab work unfolds? Yeah, um, thanks. So just to, I guess, change gears from, from Peter's uh, work and discussion, is it... We're starting out a little bit different in this research program, you know, from the typical science research by putting a lot of our time and effort into understanding the social, cultural and political landscapes that will be receiving gene drives and these new genetic tools to manage wasps, but also more generally looking at the interaction of people, this technology and the environment. And we know that this kind of work and its application of proposed genetic technology has had a contentious history. 
and that research and development shouldn't happen in a vacuum. And so that's where we're putting our considerable effort in the next few months, trying to understand those landscapes. So what are the areas that you will be considering? I mean, infertility is an example. We've, we've talked about this previously with the impossum and the ability yeah. to, to um, you know, um, render infertility, I think, in the female of the species in that instance. But it's ethical. Do you have the right to eliminate a, a species from a country? That's why it matters whether it's a 10% reduction, a 30% reduction or a 100% reduction in fertility. How are you coming at that question, for example? Yeah, and these are really good key questions around the ethics of these um, these tools and these new technologies. And yeah, one of the questions is, do we have the right to um, eliminate a species? And coming back to some of Peter's discussion around the technology, it is actually impossible to eradicate a species using this technology. It is all about population suppression, the exact numbers we don't know. Um, part of the program actually looks, dives into societal values about making these decisions and that's going to be key into this research and bringing together these multiple perspectives on these technologies and you can't just stop it you're talking about managing wasps because inevitably the conversation grows to all sorts of other ethical dilemmas involved in this and that's what we're hoping to capture in this um, so we can discuss what's needed for an integrated perspective on management of gene drives and the regulation. How, how are you going to do that? It seems to go much wider than one um, yeah, piece of work in the lab. Tricky. Yeah, it is. And it's really tricky because this hasn't actually been done outside of a laboratory. And, and so we're looking overseas and what's how the decisions made around genetic technologies, who's involved in making the, these decisions and the literature involved in this as well. So it's really a gathering exercise and understanding the key players in this. And, and I guess coming back to perhaps on the topics that you talked on, it was very contentious around gene editing, gene modification. They're all very, very actually different things, but they all get lumped into the same conversation. Well, that's why I split them and out, Amanda. And, yeah, and, and yeah. not only that, I, I think they are less contentious than they were 20, 25 years ago when, exactly. when we had and the, the last that, Royal Commission. And and we've also got a government right. indicating it is ready to move soon yes. on some of these yeah. laws. So this is kind of a bit more immediate than, than, than it once was. Can we put it that way? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, but still... I, I think some people hang on to the very polarised view of you, you're for it or you're against it. That is not the case that we're finding when we're going out talking to groups and people with these issues that have to come up with tools to manage them. It is um, quite diverse, the perspectives, and that's what we're trying to capture here. There isn't a lot to go on internationally, but we are gathering what we can to help frame up our work plan so that we've got the science feeding into what we say is the social and cultural and political landscape and hoping to have that sort of integrated perspective on how you go forward, including some understanding some of the um, the gaps, identifying the gaps in our current systems that enable that decision-making, that considers all the ethical implications, not only with gene drives and WASP, but genetic technologies overall. And we know that the government signaled that when and we don't want to politicise this, but we do want to understand the political landscape and we're hoping that we can help feed into that process that's coming up. Well, thank you both. We're um, hoping to and intending to speak to the Science Minister in the not-too-distant future, and I think we have an in-principle agreement on that, on what uh, she has in mind for this area. Uh, at the moment, just very quickly, Peter, what regulatory approvals do you need even to do this? And then second, could you just give us an idea of the time frame you're working to? Thanks, Peter.
Yeah, so um, all of the work that we're doing in containment still requires regulatory approval, um, quite rightly. So we certainly um, have gone through a, a commissions process with the uh, Environmental Protection Agency for most of this work. The work on the paper and common and German wasps, uh, an approval is being developed around that because um, we want to be sure that we are able to do something in our model system before we move into those, uh, those more uh, difficult species. Um, I guess all of the work we're doing requires that permission. The, the road to release, if, if this was ever going to be a technology that was used, is currently much more difficult um, and requires a, a huge amount of uh, consensus building outside of uh, sort of research and, and industry. So I, th I think that, that um, currently I, I'm, I'm actually very comfortable with the idea that we require permission to do this work, and that's permission that we've already sought and got for, for most of it. The time frame is five years, so this is a long project, um, and that's because it, there both sides of this project are incredibly difficult. There's huge numbers of questions in the social space that are going to take a long time to understand, and then uh, the research that we're talking about is cutting edge and incredibly difficult. And I do, you know, one of the outcomes of this project may indeed be that we can't do it, um, and that's uh, a useful piece of information. If we don't start testing these new methods of pest control. In, in, a, in a contained space, then we will never know whether they're going to be useful or not. And Thank so you. that's the information we want to provide. Thank you both. Peter Deard and Amanda Black.